cinephiles, audiophiles, ladies and germs, welcome to the Film Cult Podcast. Tonight, the lead singer of the heavily influential band Napalm Death and former member of Extreme Noise Terror, Barney Greenway. Barney, how are, th- how are things? Not so bad, mate. I cannot live up to that introduction. That was so epic, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I have to start off by asking, are you happy that you're over in the UK with all the craziness happening in America right now? Well, you know, I, 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 I'd be a bit neutral about that. You know, I don't, I don't kind of judge it on those lines, really. You know, I mean, it, don't forget, we've had it bad as well, man. You know what I mean? It's like we haven't escaped to the worst vestiges of it. You know, it's, it's really me. I, I'm the one who's a bit lucky in this situation. I just feel, I feel obviously empathy for those who have had to go through this. You know, and those. Without the ways and means, you know that that, that that live in a country where the health system can basically cost you your life. You know what I mean in terms of paying for it. You know what I mean. So at least we have a free national health service here. You know, and that's we should be thankful for that. You know, um, which America lacks, of course. You know, and um, I would suggest it needs to get one fucking quick shop, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm up in Canada, so I agree with you 100%. So Yeah, well, I yeah, the Canadian system's helped me out as well when I um when I broke my broke my arm on stage last time and um luckily we we're on the way up to Canada and um I got myself it wasn't free, but I got myself nice and fixed up for like a fraction of what it would have cost me and I'm when I say fraction, I underline that word, put it in italics, and highlight it to fuck, you know, <laughs> what it would have cost in the US, you know. So. Well, have you noticed that the police brutality and the Black Lives Matter movement is going in the, U- in the UK? Have you noticed that it's picking up? And do you see real change coming from that? No, we haven't had the same level of, I would say, militarization as what has been happening in the US. And actually... The police have stood off, you know, in a lot of cases, you know, they haven't used force because they understand the matter, you know, they understand the seriousness of the matter. You know, I'm I'm fully behind the Black Lives Matter movement because primarily because of the fundamental. It shouldn't be that anybody in this world should be treated differently, you know, but it, it extends beyond that direct focus point. This extends to the whole world. You know, when you when you go to certain parts of the world and there is it's a significant part of the global population cannot access um, regular meals, health care, you know, sanitary conditions, you know, um, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that's, that's not right, surely, you know. That's inequality. That's, that's the same thing, you know. Do you think that we're at a tipping point right now? Do you see the governments are finally going to – well, new ideas are going to finally start coming to light now? Or do you think that I think it's still it the status quo? Yeah. I think it remains to be seen. I, 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 I am quite cynical about it because I think there is a tendency for, for all governments to, you know, make a big song and dance about it and then it very conveniently disappears into the ether when, when people can be distracted on other matters, you know what I mean? So I'm hoping that it can be, but I, I'm not so sure. Kind of on that note, you've been around neo-Nazis in your past, especially in South Africa. Do you see the world falling into the alt right as much as the media would have you believe, or do you think no, this is I completely don't. different? 
No, I don't think it'll go that way because those people have proved that they're fucking incapable, really, of 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 of, of holding on to power. I mean, even Hitler couldn't. It was unsustainable, you know, that whole movement because in the end, the conditions, you know, everything is about public perception, public livelihood, and public, um, you know, public sort of survival. And if the public, the the whole, the all the principles of extreme right fascism however you want to tag it you know it relies on authoritarian rule you know to where the op- opposition is, is is basically non-existent do you think the population is going to put up with that for too long outside of the initial appeal i don't fucking think so you know what i mean i mean the kind of the kind of neo-nazis i was around were people that were more of your um your situational uh, provocateurs, you know, they would run into a gig and beat people up because they wanted to be macho, you know. They were basically just content to be bullies, you know. I don't think they necessarily even understood what the implications of a fascist system would be, you know, because there is a fair chance that a lot of those people would be first in the firing line, you know, if, yeah. if, if it did come to pass. So I think they kind of need to be careful what they wish for, you know. But um, so, yeah, I mean, that... that that sort of level of neo-Nazism is a little different to what you're referring to. You know, they run on the same principles, but I think the, I think the actual um, realities are slightly different. You know. Well, let me take you way back now. What were some of the formative influences that made you the artist that you are today? Well, I don't know, mate. You know what? Here's the thing. I, I more or less fell into napalm death, you know, like you'd fall through a window if you didn't look and it was open and you tried to <laughs> lean on it. You know? I mean, really, you know, I I had no intentions of being a, um, if you want to put it like this, a full-time musician. I, I had a couple of fucking, you know, like, like knockabout bands, like with, uh, for example like Jimmy, the bass player on the B-side of the Scum album. Mm-hmm. You know, me and Jimmy were in a band together and the drummer from Bolt Thrower, I don't know if you know Bolt Thrower, yeah. but met Ed Whale, the drummer from them, he was also in the band as well for a bit. Uh, but they were just knockabout bands, you know. I didn't think anything of it really, you know. And then just one day, because I, I knew the Napalm guys, and I, I love Napalm, I used to follow them back in the day and stuff. And I just joined because... I knew Mickey really well. Mickey had been involved in, like, with the Benediction thing, which also, although we recorded an album, was never intended to be a, a full-time thing, you know. So then when the opportunity came up to join Napalm, I was like, fuck yeah, you know what I mean? And so I just kind of rolled with it. But I, so I didn't have any, I'd never had any kind of aspirations pre-joining Napalm to be a musician. I just know that when I joined, I wanted to pick up the baton. And I wanted Napalm to be abrasive, confrontational, you know, enjoyable to people, but also fucking annoying to people as well, you know what I mean? And so that's really what I wanted. And as I went along, you know, my first personal influences like, you know, the band Motorhead, Discharge, GBH, you know, Siege, Death, all these bands, I could name fucking hundreds of bands, you know, all those bands kind of came to the fore. And I just, I just carried on what I felt would be appropriate for, for Napalm Death, you know, so. Do you feel like it was your input that helped move the sound of Napalm to a groovier and more death-like style? No, no. My, my personal input, 
Do, do, no, you, do you feel like it was no. just evolving to that as, as it nope. was? No? No. You know, here's the thing. I was the most uncertain, you know, of where things were going at that point, you know. Um, it, it's often said about, no, well, there's, let's, let's, we, we need to re- rewind this a little bit. So there's always this thing. Oh yeah, um, some people say yeah. When you, Napalm Harmony Corruption and just, that's when Napalm turned into a death metal band. No, it didn't. Well, yes, it, no, it didn't. It didn't at all. You know, we we just moved the music forward, and we just happened to go to Morris Sound, and we just happened to get a similar sound to the other bands, which was actually never intended to be that way. You know, it, it just this is the way it worked out. You know. We've never turned into a death metal, and that was never the case, you know. So, I would, I would ref- always refute that, you know. Um, the, the the groovier thing as well. The band was moving forward. At that point, I, I, it's, you know, I will always say I didn't have a lot of real input into the music at that point. So, really, it kind of came from Mitch and Shane primarily, and Jesse as well. Um, I didn't have a lot, lot of input, and consequently. There was actually a lot of conflicts in the band at the time because after Utopia Banished, which was to me was a, a really great album and actually a really great album to make as well, it felt really good. Um, after that, we really kind of shifted a, a gear. And um, looking back with hindsight, I can say that um, I was a bit, I was, a, I, I misunderstood, you know, I, I a lot of it didn't. Um, uh, 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 I misinterpreted a lot of the stuff then, you know, that what was coming out. Now, with hindsight, I look back at a lot of stuff and I, I don't have a problem with it, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. at the time, like Fear, Emptiness, Despair album caused me a lot of sleepless nights, you know. I was like, what, what is this? You know, this is not fast and crazy like it's supposed to. Or it was, you know, but it was also a great percentage of it was something else. And it really fucking, it really stressed me out and kept me awake at night for points. But I say, I feel with hindsight and experience, I feel a little differently about it now, you know? So yeah, it wasn't, you know, actually it wasn't, there wasn't any individual person. It was more a collective thing. But for me, I was always very cautious in some of the steps that were being taken, you know? So, well, the last Napalm album, Apex Predator, Easy Meat, was welcomed with pretty favorable response. Do you think yeah. the new album, Throws of Joy and Defensive Defeatism, expands upon that mindset of the band during Apex? Or do you feel like you're in a new headspace on this album? Yeah, what I would say, and I, I just want to pick up from the last answer that I gave to say that nowadays it's different because I am, you know, I would argue quite instrumental in, in, in the way things are shaped. You know, Shane writes the music, you know, um, now, you know, so for the for the new, for the brand new album, he wrote like pretty much all the music, you know, so, so but I have a lot more of a influence on the way the band sounds now, you know. So, so, um, I, all, all, all the new album is is just again. It's us um, taking the band forward a couple of steps, but it's not a calculated thing. It's not like we. It's not like like it's a box ticking exercise where we go, yeah, this band, that band, that band, that band. Yeah, well, we've, all those elements are on the album, so we're okay. You know, it's not like that. It's just we have a 
Napalm has a huge wide palette of influences, you know, not just metal and hardcore punk, but also, you know, uh, um, industrial music, noise pop, noise rock, ambient music, all the stuff, right across the spectrum, you know. And needless to say, we work those elements in and we give it a napalm twist, you know. That's, that's what we do. And so the albums turn out as they turn out, you know. It's not a choreographed, very calculated move. It is just the stuff that we feel is good for the time that we're doing it, you know, and that it's what we consider to be appropriate for the band, I suppose, you know. Well, do you think that this album coming out without a tour attached because, well, we can't have one, is it a good thing to allow time to be spent with it by the fans? Yeah, why not, you know? I mean, I, 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 of course it's not ideal, but what are you going to do, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like we, 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 we were never going to postpone the album. It was always coming out this September, right? And, of course, there was, there was the idea does come up, you know, oh, shall we just postpone it? But so many bands are doing that, and we just thought, well, no, you know, let's put it out there. When the touring picks up, we'll just pick it up from there. Is it going to really matter? Are people going to instantly forget about the album because it came out like six months ago? Or no, because obviously our thrust on the tour will be right. Then we got this new album. Let's put six or seven songs in, or something like that. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be there. You know, they're going to be visible. You know, within a, a set list or something like that. So to me, it doesn't matter. You know, it's not a problem. Well, what have you been up to during this quarantine? Are you writing any new material? No, I'm just fucking hell. My brain is empty, you know, <laughs> after doing this last Napalm album. So, no, we're, we're not like, we're not buzz from the Muffins, you know, who wrote, who writes fucking songs every other day, you know what I mean? You know, and great for him, you know, he's obviously done, like, like Buzz is prolific as fuck, you know what I mean? Having spent quite a bit of time around him, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, no, I mean, I'm not. No, no, no plans to really write anything, you know, for uh, for the for the foreseeable future. Um, so, but yeah, during this, like, all I've been doing is I, I live alone, you know. So I've been um, doing interviews. Um, Napalm is very self-contained, so there's always something to do that's not interviews, even for Napalm. So in that sense time isn't any different to what it would be without a lockdown. And then on a personal level, you know, I just keep myself mentally healthy and physically healthy. You know, I take my I take my bike out every morning, 6.30am. You know, I live five-minute bike ride from the sea, and that's fucking fantastic, you know. Like, seeing that time of the morning, the beauty of the sea, you know, and everything going on, you know, naturally and stuff, it's fucking, there's nothing better, man. You know what I mean? And it it just really sets you up for the day, you know. You just feel kind of, you get that high, you know, that we know about, you know, when you get... Because I do, like, kind of endurance cycling, you know, so it's like you get the endorphins and all the rest of it. So I'm always set up right away for the day doing that stuff. Um, And, yeah, so... That's that's how I how I am, but then you know I also want to say that I realise that my situation is not the same as other people's. You know, for example, Shane, our bass player, he's got his family to consider, so it, 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 I can imagine it's pretty rough for him right now in some respects. You know, as it is for countless other people with families and stuff who have to consider not just one person, i.e. themselves. You know, but but numerous people. You know, so. Um, 
yeah, it's. Uh, it, I, I'm very philosophical about it, but I understand that this is not easy fucking times for a lot of people. So, you know, I would never um, understate, you know, what other people are going through, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that you're an avid reader. What are you reading these days? As Bill, as Bill Hicks says, I'm a reader, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> but it just sounds so crazy when you... It's like it's like saying, "Oh, that guy's a great thinker." <laughs> yeah, but everybody thinks, you know. I, don't, I mean, not everybody reads, of course, but you get the point that I'm trying to make, yeah, you know. Of so, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, at the moment, I'm reading um, a, a a book called I can't remember the exact title, but it's God uh, only wept in. Oh God, let me you know, let me find the title. Um, because it's going to drive me crazy if I can't give you the right title. Um, uh, let's see if I can find the book with the. Yeah, it's called Afghanistan, where God only comes to weep, and it's written by a lady called um, what's it? Uh, yeah, Seba Shakib. She's a Iranian. Um, uh, 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 German now, but she's originally um, she's Persian, you know. So she just wrote she wrote this book. It's, it's quite it's it's quite old now. I I picked it up in a charity shop, you know, as I do through all the bookshops. So um, it's about her, her basically first and ex, or, or experience. As far as I don't think it's uh, written on the perspective of another person. I think it's written from her perspective, or, or maybe not. But um, so it's a perspective of a, a, a woman. Uh, living in um, uh, an oppressive um, society under Taliban rule, you know. And um, so you you get all the quite um, graphic details of day-to-day life and, you know, wondering where your next meal's going to come from, you know, having to beg, you know, and along the way meeting really kind people who help you out when you're at your lowest point, you know. So it's um, it's a pretty, pretty good book, man. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely... In, I'll say, in, well, getting enjoyment over something that's about the most unenjoyable thing a person <laughs> could go through, you know. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it, definitely. You know, it's, um, it's a really good book, you know, so... Well, did you actively search out bands in your early days with a political stance? Or was it the bands that kind of helped shape your political viewpoints? I, I, bands didn't shape my political viewpoints. I, I already had them, you know what I mean? My, 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 my viewpoint's political or, or, or apolitical, actually, because they could be considered both, I would suggest, you know, um, were formed when I was, was a young kid. You know, I, I grew up in a family, like my dad was a trade unionist, so I remember some of the ideas coming from that, which was, you know, at the time, apartheid was going on in South Africa, and I remember reading the stories of people being um, brutalised, you know, under the regime. And I, I, as, as, even as a young kid, I understood this. This is not right, you know. The, you can't treat people like this. This is this is how can this be, you know? So that that was the formation of my viewpoint. Really, was if you're going to put a generalisation on it, was to understand that the world should be equal. You know, and we're not there in 2020, but that doesn't mean it shouldn't be, you know. It shouldn't be that a significant percentage of the world's population don't have the access to the fundamentals of living, you know. I mean, it's just not... It just seems crazy to me, you know, that we, that situation is still happening, you know. Um, so that's... I formed it as a 
way before I discovered bands. But then later on, you know, eventually I discovered them. Um, hardcore and punk which not all bands but there was a percentage of them that did have world views of that you know along those lines and um yeah great fantastic and then there was some very very um some very very um uh, 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 uh well expressed bands like like crass you know who 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 who, were, who are i think the epitome of being an apolitical band you know who who, who understood that um, the left and right was all just a nonsense, you know. It was just people fighting amongst each other, you know, and what it really, what, how things really should be is that it's all about the liberation of the person, you know, and the collective, you know, and sentient beings, animals, you know. It's about the liberation of everything, you know. Not, and they, they said that liberation of all was had nothing to do with politics because politics kept people divided so they couldn't be liberated, you know. Does it just make you cringe that we're still living in a world where animals are treated this cruel still in just these these offshoot countries? Well, I think all human beings are, are, are you know, sort of um, are in that bracket really, you know, because, um, you know, animals were here before us. I think it's the before human beings, you know, on this earth. So it's the height of arrogance to think that because they can't communicate with us on the same level, that somehow we they are are a property of ours. We are in ownership of them. I think this is completely arrogant, you know. And I, I always look at it in very simple terms, you know. If you were to take a human being like you would a, a cow or a sheep or a pig and put them inside a pen and fire like an electric bolt through that sheep's, through that human's head, then you'd, you'd go to fucking jail for the rest of your life and people would be fucking absolutely, you know, horrified, mortified, you know, whatever, by that, by that act. So... Why is it that the two are different? You know, I, I just fail to understand. And people just go, people just don't have an explanation for it. Sometimes, just, yeah, but an animal's an animal is an animal. Yeah, but that's not. You're not. You're not making a, any kind of acceptable distinction. You know that that's not. That doesn't. That doesn't explain it. You know what do you? Well, an animal's an animal. Yeah, but that's not an explanation. You know. Well, back into music for a minute. Have you ever wanted to toy around with some different styles vocally? Well, I, I think I, I like. I think I do. You well, know. Yeah, yeah. But have you ever like thought about just full on doing like a crooner album, or just like completely going left field, not even doing hard music at all on it, and just really expanding on your vocal ranges? Yeah, I might do it, but it still has to be under the remit of being abrasive and confrontational, you know, because, yeah, you're, I mean, Robert, you're right. In, in some respects, what you're getting at, I think, is that um, even gentler music can be uh, extreme, you know, and confrontational. So, yeah, definitely. But it's all about dealing with it at the time, you know, and it's about the specifics of it, you know. Um, because it could, it is either going to work or it's not going to work. You know what I mean? But yeah, I would never discount it. You know, I don't have any. I don't have. I wouldn't put anything off the table. You know, as long as it is challenging, confrontational, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, fuck it. I'll, 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 I'll check it out. You know, and 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 see what I see what I can do with it. What I think of it. You know. Um, 
but I'd need somebody's help, you know, in that respect, because I'm not, I'm not like, I can't start things up from the ground. I don't have that to my, to my um, compositional character, if you want to put it like that. So, well, what kind of preparation do you do before each live performance? Uh, well, the preparation is more. Um, is not specific to the gig. The best preparation for me, and I know other, other people in bands will be different, best preparation for me is generally throughout the day, before you go on tour, keep yourself healthy. That's the best preparation you can do. I don't do any voice-specific uh, preparation. I do a few stretches just so you don't, because I have pulled muscles a couple of times you know so there's a couple of stretches you can do but aside from that nothing nothing at all you know your body your body if you look after it generally in life it will look after you if you don't it won't it's kind of that simple really you know you're a big soviet era film fan have you ever got to tour moss film at all no i haven't unfortunately no no because our, our russian gig schedules have always been um really fucking crazy you know there was never any time to do it but i um i collect films um from the time um and also not only not 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 just russian soviet films but i try to get stuff from across the board like um also romanian era i love like romanian era films there was one producer and I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he did a lot of short films that very much reflected uh, the collective culture. And he, he he worked like everyday whimsical stories into the the collectivist um, ideology. So they were kind of a they were a different perspective as what you would imagine the Western interpretation to be. And I just love I love the techniques. I love the the way they were filmed, you know, the the, the, the just the real um, the real spontaneity, you know, to the filming, or at least what I'm getting through the camera, you know. So, I just yeah, I, I love it, you know. The more stuff I, of that I can find, which is sometimes it's, it's not always easy to find, you know. But uh, yeah, you know. Can, can we expect you to have a film in the upcoming future? Um, you know what, if it was an independent film, you know, if somebody asked me to get involved, you know, then I would, you know, definitely, you know, if I could play a part in that, you know. Do you actively search out like DVDs and Blu-rays of Soviet films? Are you trying to get the 35, 16 mil print? No, I go for the DVDs. Yeah, I'm not quite on that level, you know, but um, <laughs> I go for the DVDs. Basically, whenever, if we ever do tours of Eastern or the Balkan countries, I also found some really great Serbian films as well, you know. You know, sometimes the best places to find these things is the, uh, the service stations, you know, where you stop on the side of the road to, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. You know, go to the bathroom or or buy some snacks or whatever. So they sometimes have these DVD stands. You know, you you see them in in America in the truck stops. You know, yeah. but obviously they're re, they're region specific. You know, so you I'll just go and buy some of these movies. I mean, these movies cost the equivalent of probably like one dollar, one dollar fifty, and I'll just go fuck it, I nothing to lose. I'll just grab like twenty of them or something like that, you know, and um, just watch them. And I found some real gems in there, you know. Of um, I found this one, and I, I, I don't know the name because I can't translate the the title. It was um, it's all in Cyrillic, you know, but it's a Serbian film about somebody that's um, 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 
was a, a Croat uh, uh, that was living in a Serbian village, and um, he uh, he the village had been bombed out, and he came back to the village and tried to reconnect with the locals and stuff. And um, it, it's such a, it's like a surrealist film, and it just gets really bizarre, you know, some of the stuff that happens, and it's just arguably everyday experiences except in a village that's been fucking decimated like structurally you know and it's just a really really good like psychological situationist kind of um story you know just really good and again it co- it cost me like less than a dollar probably you know this movie did and you know i mean fucking great you know i mean what what, what more can you ask for you know so you're just a film fan in general. You just take any. Yeah, honor. I'm a film buff. Yeah, awesome. What would, yeah. You, what would you say some of the newer films that you've seen that you that you could really recommend to everybody is? Oh God, and um, two Colombian films that came out recently. Uh, admittedly, on Netflix, uh, so <laughs> like garlic crosses <laughs> and stuff. But um, there was the one that just come out. It's about. It's almost like a Lord of the Flies type things, and I've forgotten the fucking title of it already. Um, it's a new Colombian film. Basically, it's like these kids that are in a pa- paramilitary unit, you know, and they are like an independent arm of this paramilitary unit, and they they get communications from the main command, but it's usually over the radio. But a trainer comes in oh, and uh, trains them every. I, I know what yeah. this is, and I, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, yeah. So that one is fucking brilliant. Yeah. You know? fucking brilliant film you know um there's another one um recently called um uh, there's another one along along the side i don't know it's the same chinquarotes or something like that think think it's about two young kids who like go on a oh i can't yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember the fucking name of it exactly. But whilst it's come to my mind, I'll give you two of my favourite films. You know that actually came. They weren't Soviet era films, but they were based upon the time. So, um, so the lives of others uh, in his original German title Das Leben der Anderen. I don't know mm-hmm. if you're aware of that film. It's a fucking amazing film. That is my favorite film ever i mean i'm not joking that is mate i saw that film and i was like fucking hell that film was fucking incredible mm-hmm. you know what i mean that the whole the character representation the characterization in that film the individual performances are fucking incredible you know well, and, and i just and the textures in that cinematography it's fucking mind-blowing yeah yeah absolutely and then my next my second favourite after that, it's called, and I always get the title mixed up. So um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Google it right now because I don't want to get it wrong. Um, just bear with me, and I'll, I'll have it one second. Um, because it's it's like it's made up of days and months and weeks, and that's in the title. So yeah, it's called four months, three weeks, and two days. I I was so happy when Criterion put that put that out. It's it's a, yeah. it's such a great film. I I saw that um, back back when it was playing the festival circuit. There was nobody there. Yeah. Nobody knew what the hell it was. By the end of the year, that movie had blown up. It was oh, it's such a great yeah. movie. I, I mean, this aside from the tra- the tra- the traumas that the the women are going through in that film, which again also really spoke to me because I'm such a on a personal level, I think. 
you know, sexual health and se- reproductive rights for me is should not be messed with. You know, it is a basic human right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, and bearing in mind that in 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 under in Ceausescu's Romania, abortion was completely illegal. You know, because obviously. His ideal was he wanted to increase the population. That's how a lot of dictators made their made their pitch, you know, to in, increase the um, the n- number of citizens, you know, by any means necessary. So therefore, abortions in Romania were completely illegal, you know. And if if doctors got caught, of course, there were people doing them that were sympathetic to women's rights you know and women's sexual reproductive rights but if you got caught doing it man it was serious shit you know or if you got caught having an abortion same thing you know so the women it's really powerful because of that alone but also the scene scene the 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 capturing of 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 Romanian uh, society at the time you know the secrecy the the surveillance you know mate I mean, it's just, yeah, again, you know, much like Lives of Others, fucking incredible. You know, I mean, just, I can't speak highly enough, you know, of those films. Who would you say your favorite filmmaker is from the Russian, from from Russia as a whole? Uh, Probably the guy that did The Stalker, um, Uh, the original version. Probably him. Andre Tarkovsky. Yeah, because that film, I mean, there's many other films I could mention, but the whole atmosphere of that film is for the time. It was 1971, was it, or something like that? It was 1970. It was 1979, I believe. Oh, it was that far ahead. But anyway, even then, you know, at that time, I, I don't know what resources he had. I know the I know the Soviet um, the Soviet um, uh, administration wanted filmmakers to have to make great films because it was in their interest, you know, for propaganda purposes. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't think the level of technical resources that the West maybe had was they didn't have the same thing. So that there was a, I, I think there was a lot of improvisation going on, you know, beyond the filming of those films. So so what he achieved in that the look and the feel I think was pretty fucking amazing. You know what I mean, I have to say, yeah. Well, and finally, what was it like working with Russ Russell on this new album? Uh, yeah, Russ has been there for many years, as you, yeah. as people would know if they'd followed Napalm down the years. And he, Russ, the thing is, he runs in parallel with the band. You know, as people, we understand moving forwards is, is definitely one of the best attributes you can have. We also understand that, um, um, that the sound should move forward as well it should not lose its edge it should not use it it should not lose its abrasive and confrontational edge but that doesn't mean to say it can't sound different you know compared to previous albums so russ understands that the evolution of sound he's not a producer that goes in and does say 20 bands and all 20 sound more or less the same because that's his production he doesn't do that you know he he knows how Napalm evolves, and he evolves his sound in 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 tandem with the music. So, it's it's great working with him. You know, he we need that evolution. You know, in in all aspects, and he he gets it and he does it. You know, so. Well, thanks so much, Barty. Your style and your time in Napalm Death have been instrumental in a lot of musicians' influences. So it means a lot sure. that you could take some time on here, open up your world a bit to the audience. 
Sure, 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 sure. Great, yeah, no problem at all. Thank you for listening. Make sure you pick up the new Napalm Death album, Throws of Joy in the Jaws of Defeatism, out on September 18th, 2020 through Century Media. And I'd just like to thank Barney Greenway once again. It's awesome to get to hear from him. And everybody go pick up all the old Napalm Death stuff, and hopefully they're back on tour soon. This concludes our broadcast day.